Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a new partner, Arostia, a new coffee roaster based in Queens. This company was created by and is run by a huge fish fan, Andy Hollander, who hasn't caught a hold your head up since 12, 15, 95, but is definitely not bitter about it. I've had this coffee and it's really great. Andy started roasting coffee during the pandemic, taught himself, and then that turned into this label, Arostia, which launched late last year. I had a bag of the Ethiopian coffee and it was gone really quickly because I liked it so much and I drank a lot of it and I need more. The beans were grown at an altitude of 2,100 meters above sea level, which contributes to a dense bean that continues to develop its flavors after the roasting process is done. The tasting notes include apple, raisin, and caramel, and there are more coffees coming very soon. So support this fan-owned business and try the coffee today. And for Osiris listeners, there's a 10% discount code on the site. Use the code OSIRIS at checkout for 10% off your order, and stay tuned for the launch of a coffee subscription. You can order and sign up for the mailing list at arostia.com. That's A-R-O-A-S-T-I-A.com. And you can find Arostia on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks, Arostia. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn more. Osiris. It's Wednesday afternoon. We are live 
hanging out. HF Pod on tour live coming at you. My name is Brian Brinkman. Meg, how are you doing here? I'm doing great. It's Wednesday. I get to talk to you. It's my favorite time of the week. And today we get to talk to an amazing guest. Amazing guest about an amazing topic. Return mm-hmm. guest. This is, as they call in the industry, a friend of the pod, Mr. <laughs> Benji Eisen, um, who has been doing incredible work studying up on spring 1992 fish, coming up with thoughts, hot takes, deep dives, knowledge, insight, recommendations across the board, just like the two of us have to bring you a jam-packed full hour dedicated to April 1992. A month, which we will ask the question, come the end of this episode, was this the first great month in fish history? I don't know. We'll have to find hmm. out. It was a great <laughs> month. We're going we're gonna to decide and we're all going to come to a decision if it was the first great or if it was just a great month. I don't know. There's a lot in there. I'm really excited to dive into this. This uh, this listening project, like the March 92 one that we did, as well as um, a few others that we've done thus far. June 2012 uh, comes to mm-hmm. mind. It's a lot of fun just to like dive into a full month of fish and be like, ah, this is all I'm listening to. And you come out of it feeling like you understand where the band was at a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I feel like we get to continue the conversation, which is so cool because it's like this evolution that the band's taking. And I'm so excited to kind of keep talking about that. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. And excuse me, anyone who's out there who was either at spring 92 shows, April 92 Mm. shows, please share your thoughts. Please share your experience. Um, If you weren't at April 92 shows, but you've heard them and you have thoughts and opinions as well, show us, send us over your favorite uh, show, your favorite set, your favorite jam, whatever it may be, throw it into the comments and we'll shout it out throughout the episode. Um, Before we jump into all that though, we have three bits of business to take care of. Number one, we will be doing daily recaps of fish MSG shows the day after each fish show at uh, 11 a.m. Mountain, 1 p.m. Eastern. If you're going to be attending MSG and you want to join us for a live recap, go ahead and send a direct message to the HF Pod Twitter handle. Um, we'll get you booked up. We'll, we'll probably have one, two guests on. Um, we've got a team that will be covering these shows both in the venue as well as from afar, but we'd love to have some other voices on here. So mm-hmm. if you're interested in joining, um, please reach out to us on uh, Twitter at HF pod. Um, but also if you're not interested in talking or, if, or if, you know, you, you don't get to us until the morning of whatever it may be, just hang out with us and hear us talk about uh, the shows and what our thoughts are. I'm really excited for that. Even though I can't be at the shows. Are you excited to go Meg? I'm <laughs> just a little bit. I'm so excited. Just a little bit. Yeah, I'm trying to like contain my joy, but I just have these moments when I just kind of realize again what the daily count is. And I just, <laughs> my heart just kind of like feels like it's going to explode, but it's going to be fun. I'm going to do the recaps, hopefully. And I feel like it's going to be an evolution of me attempting to survive four days of fish at Madison Square Garden. So ha- pray for me. 
It's a good attempt. It's a good attempt at <laughs> survival. It's it'll it'll be it'll all be worth it. The memories are gonna be great, and there's gonna be that moment in the show as we were like, "This is what I. This is the feeling I forgot." You know, even though you never really yeah. forget it, but you forget. I can't it, wait. You never forget. I mean, you know, I haven't seen fish since Atlantic City, so I have really, really forgotten that feeling. I can't wait. Yeah, that first fish show after a gap, you're like, oh my god, yeah, this is why I do this whole thing. Um, so we will be doing that more, more insight into that, more info to come here in the coming days as we prep for those shows. Um, I also want to encourage everyone to subscribe to Osiris Media on Apple Podcasts, HF Pod Premium. We just recorded a great premium episode. Meg, what did we talk about? We talked about what shows we think should be officially released on Live Fish, and it was quite a list. It's quite a list. We, it turns out, have opinions about what shows we think <laughs> should be officially released on live fish and, and in box set format and in individual CD format and as DVDs, if they still make DVDs, I don't know, streaming videos, whatever, whatever you may do. But uh, that episode should be up later this week. Um, really, really excited for people to hear that and excited for people to share what their thoughts were. What did we miss? There's definitely shows that we miss. It's mm-hmm. kind of crazy. We all shared five or six shows. So, you know, we had a good 20 shows that we thought should be officially released. And it's crazy that these 20 shows have not yet been officially released. It's kind of wild to me. I agree. Um, but please, please subscribe to HF pod premium or excuse me, Osiris media on Apple podcasts for HF pod premium. Um, the other thing that we want to give a shout out to is a wonderful sponsor at sunset Lake CBD. Sunset Lake CBD has a line of smokable hemp products for the old deadhead or the young fish fan searching for a metal mellow body high. Smoking CBD has all the benefits of high THC cannabis without the paranoia or the anxious side effects. With nine different strains from this year's harvest, there's something for everyone. Hawaiian haze is awesome for an outdoor show and cherry abacus is best for the end of the night. All the flowers grown, cured, and trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD farmers. Even better, Sunset Lake CBD's farm-to-table approach gets you great pricing on premium CBD flour by shipping it directly from their farm to your door. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I love smoking grass. Smoking CBD really just allows me the opportunity to kind of get that mellow high, to relax, to chill out, but not get any sort of paranoia, not get any sort of anxiety. Creativity starts to percolate up in the best way possible. I love using this sort of stuff. It's an amazing product and an amazing company. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code HFPOD for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. They even have pet products. (laughs) My dog, Reba, totally needs it. (laughs) Um, Should we bring our guest on? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. Mr. Benji Eisen. How are you, my dude? Fantastic. How are you? I am doing well. Where are you calling from? You look like you're in some sort of like a uh, hallway in a, in a 60s Yeah, I'm in like a little, it, it does feel a little 60s-ish. It's a, uh, it's a hotel room, though, in, in uh, Beverly Hills. that's what that's the look it's it's got that like don draper flew to california and is still chic but is a little bit more suntanned it's great (laughs) totally 
so I was gonna have my sunglasses on, and then I, I realized I looked at the, at the screen. I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm inside." But, you uh, look like you're, you're in like a uh, like a Beatles video. It's great. Yeah, I feel like it. The Avalon. How, it's called the Avalon. The Avalon. Oh, that's a nice one. How, awesome. how are you doing, man? How am I doing? I'm doing great. I uh, well, first of all, Megan, I love how your how Reba, your dog, how it yeah. barked right on cue. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean, other than that, look, we got, uh, as you guys are saying, we have fish in like spitting distance of us. It's so soon. <laughs> it's so soon. And it, it always does this where it seems like it's this long, far away target. And then it gets closer and closer in time. Not, not to, not to be cliche here, but time turns elastic where it just all of a yeah. sudden, like, it, it, it's like slowly, slowly, slowly. And then the last little stretch just goes by like that. And the next thing you know, we're going to be, we're going to be at MSG raging. Yes. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to sleep next Tuesday night. I don't know if the band's going to be able to sleep. I was thinking about like, right. I, they might be, especially Trey, we know how much they love MSG, uh, you know, for multiple reasons. And it's the, been the moving target. I mean, you know, they, yes. they were so excited to do it in, in for, for New Year's Eve. It's like the one they they've now done since since the height of the pandemic they've done the tours and and they've they've got they've got out they even did Mexico but MSG is the one that like kept you know it was just you know and so it's here it's here the one that got away it's yeah, happening the one that got away is now is now within our sights it's so but, funny because someone was talking online about how that's their first MSG next week and they're so excited oh, and I thought I actually feel like I'm just as excited as that person and I've yeah. seen them at MSG countless times but that's what msg is it i'm that excited as someone who's going to see them their first time yeah yeah i think i, I feel that excitement i i am i as i might be more excited because because of all the history because i know how how many you know what i mean like the first mm -hmm. my first time in msg uh my first time seeing Fish at MSG was uh, a little-known show, uh, lesser-known, not that well-appreciated. It was New Year's Eve 1995. And, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, but because of that, I mean, watching- I was invited to that show, and I, I couldn't go, and I was so mad about it. I, it's one of those shows where, like, I still remember my seats, you know? Like, I, yeah. I it was, and but I was nervous. I was young, and I, it was like you know the big bad city. I took the train in from Pennsylvania, uh, and I think I even took the train back that night, at least to New Jersey, where, where mm -hmm. we're going. So like, I think I'm more excited now than I was then. And something yeah. I, I was really into the girl that I took with me that. that. <laughs> but, but I, I was. You still I, got a week, Benji. You still got a week. Still got a week. That's right. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about this one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to take it in. And I agree with both of you. The first time I went to MSG was 2012. And it was this like six week long history lesson where the only shows I listened to were MSG shows. And I was just like, I, I knew this is the vibe of the venue. And I remember getting in my car and driving across Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, um, all day long, listening to MSG New Year's Eve shows, pulling into New York feeling this like just energy just that you get from being in New York city and then going to the first show, going to a bar where you could see the venue, but like walking in and like the way that the, the venue name is written out and kind of art deco style and walking in and seeing all these historical sports moments 
and then finally walking into the venue and actually seeing the roof overhead and what that ceiling looks like when you're inside. And there's just, it's, it's such a small confined room that feels expansive and just feels like home for fish. And, um, it was the best. So I'm, I'm jealous of all of you. I wish I could be there, but I will take it in from afar. But we are not here to talk about MSG. Today. Oh, I was about to say one more thing. I know that I was about to, yes. say, I was about to say, I know that this is not about next week. This is about a, a long time ago. But No, we're celebrating MSG, yeah. so you're good, man. So, you're good. So here, here's the question that's just so much on the forefront of all of our minds, is that we we all know, I think we all are pretty confident that, you know, they, they do, they're doing the three-set show. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to do a gag. And, you know, they, they, they already paid for the gag. So they're, mm-hmm. they're gonna, so they might as well do another. They, 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 they already paid for it. They, they did not get a refund on it. I don't know how I know this stuff, but I do. But, um, but the, do you think they're gonna pivot it? Because they, it's one thing to pay for. They pay for the, they pay for like the the effects and they pay for the the you know all that. But the narrative is easy for them to change. You know, mm-hmm. so they. That's my question. Like it just seems to me like on the one hand they could do a very sci-fi soldier narrative where it's you know 10th cube or count down to 40 60 whatever you know they count down to to a different year or or do they leave the time thing out of it entirely and leave new year's eve out of it entirely and do they use it as as a curveball you know as like as like what they did after curveball where where they take it they they, they, and they and they did something new with it or do they back in time to new year's eve this year yeah i don't know there's so many different things whatever it is it's probably going to be not something we expect yeah, I hope I hope that I hope that's the case. Me too. I think if I had put money on it, that idea of like take whatever they were going to do and shift it to mm-hmm. New Year's Eve in a way that they did with like these are the curveball jams and this is Casvo Vox and there's like a eternal link between that. I could see that more than like we're just gonna do the New Year's Eve gag. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, you know this is a band that now has had three years of kind of challenging new year's eves, you know, 2019 Trey gets stuck. That's like the big talking point coming out of that show. 2020, obviously they don't get to play it. 2021, there's all this hype, all this anticipation. They're playing so well. And then a week ahead of time, ah, we can't do it. And they play in this studio. Amazing. We talked about this the day after it was a great uh, opportunity for the band to give us like a perspective of who they are, especially in kind of emotional challenges. But I think you could probably tell it was a little weird for them to play in front of no one on New Year's Eve. You know, everyone's had that one sad New Year's Eve where you're like, oh man, like I'm, yeah. just, I'm all alone. You know, it's just like them and the crew and there's nobody to cheer them on. So there's a part of me that kind of thinks like, they could just transport that energy to this night and be like, fuck it. It's the middle of April. We're just going to have a new year's Eve show. Everybody comes in with like their 2022 caps. You know, I don't even know if they sell those anymore. I don't know how you'd find them, but you know, the balloon drops and everything that could be a ton of fun. They, um, they made merch, you know, for new year's Eve. They, they had, uh, you know, so they have this, all this mm-hmm. merch sitting on. So, I mean, I, I think that uh, it would be interesting to, to see. it would be interesting to see. You know, but but uh, and, and it also will be interesting to see if my prediction that at this point was is a year old that forward people would, would maybe be a part of it. Well, let's we're mm. going to revisit this. We're all going to yeah. revisit this because forward people could be a part of this. We'll visit in the future and we'll look at the past. 
Exactly. I'm gonna try something from a uh, from a trans from a transitional standpoint. Can everybody hear that? We are gonna go back in time. Everyone ready? We're back in the early '90s right now. Hip hop is just starting to take shape in modern American culture. And there's a little band. There it is. There's a little band that is touring America in April of 1992. And that band is Fish. And last month, we had Benji Eisen on to talk through March 1992. Our high points, our highlights of March 1992. Now we are back to talk about what I think we would all agree. And I don't want to throw any shade to the next month because there's some great moments in May. But I think we would all agree this is the cap. This is the peak of the 1992 spring tour, April. Tell me, Benji, our guest, our amazing guest, how does April 1992 differ from March 1992? Well, it differs from March. I'll give an analogy in that it differs from March 92 in the same way that November 1995 differs from December 95. It's a, I think that there's a much more, actually, now that I'm, I'm thinking this through, there's a much more stark difference, but it's the same idea. And it's that we all know that the longer fish plays, the better that they, the better they play. And it, you can almost see like, uh, while it's not a, while it's not a straight line, you know, and there's pizza and valleys at the same time, they improve. At, and I think every band does that, you know, every band, every band does that. The more you play, if you play 60 shows in a row, Unless you're you're playing the same show every single night, in which case then the shows might arguably get a little bit worse because you get you get more bored with them. But for the type of music that we're talking about, um, the every band you know you, you you have your nights, but but it takes after a month something special happens. You know, uh, playing improvisational music it requires a certain amount of mind reading, and uh, some of it's illusion and some of it's actual magic. And I think both of those start to really kick in. You, you get your spidey sense after four weeks on the road, not just even on stage, but four weeks on the road with, with the guys in, in the band. Uh, you form this not just bond, but you have these new inside jokes that you may have started at, at rest stops or at the hotel. And then you in, when you're fish, I don't know about any other band really, but when you're fish, you start to integrate those jokes on stage and then they become themes. And then that, you know, I think Fish is always at their best when they're trying to crack each other up and when they're just trying to impress each other on stage. That's usually when, like, it translates to you have something like Sits 2294 where they're, you know, with that Iculus, uh, uh, which I, I'm pretty sure it was more for their own amusement than it was for the audience's benefit, you know. Um, and yet it's one of my favorite pieces of improvisational Fish. So I think that in April of 92... We're looking at a band that is on the cusp of discovery. They, uh, they've already discovered some things. They already have some of their signature stuff down. But I feel that in April 92, a lot of it coalesced in a way that didn't. And even on the East Coast, uh, it, it nectars maybe when they started doing, you know, what became Union Federal uh, and these, you know, like uh, Iculus Insanities and things like that. They got really silly out of necessity because they were doing these, these long, you know, they were doing, you know, three sets a night. Uh, you know, and multiple nights a week, and they had to fill up the time, and and there's no pressure. But then mm -hmm. once you know the night, once ninety one comes around, even 
it became, you know, they're trying, they're trying to become this professional touring band and they dialed back a lot of that. And by the time they hit the West coast, especially like Humboldt County and, and around, you know, around the Emerald Triangle and things like that. I think that there's a looseness to them. There's a party vibe to them that, that almost was missing. And that to this day is a piece of the fish puzzle that, that, that is, you know, a, a very important piece of the, of the, of the fish puzzle fish without humor, you know, like doesn't exist. It shouldn't exist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and, and uh, even as they're getting older now and they start playing more straightforward songs, they never abandon their humor. And, and, and when they embrace it is some of my favorite, you know, it, it leads to some great improvisational moments as well as elements that other bands don't have, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think April 92 is when you see all that kind of come together. Maybe it's because on the West Coast, they felt less pressure, you know, uh, than the East Coast. Maybe it's because they've been in a, in a van together for for you know four or five weeks and they they are, they hate each other and they love each other and then they're on stage and they're making inside <laughs> jokes. You know all those things just come out at one point. Uh, I believe it's the Hilton Ballroom uh, mm. show in April '92 where Fish or Trey goes to introduce Fishman and then says into the microphone, "Cut his mic." Because of what I'm about to say, cut his mic. Yeah. And then he goes, room number, and then Fishman gets on the microphone and tells Trey they're, they're staying at the Hilton. You know, they're staying at the, and Trey and Fishman gives Trey's room number out, and then Trey pretends that it's Fishman's room number, and like it's a whole thing. And, and you can tell that's just you know that that's not for for us all these years later. That that was for them in the moment to have fun with each other, and yeah. and, and that that mm -hmm. always translates. I totally feel like the change for me is similar to what you're saying is that they started to turn more inwards and really kind of focus on the music and themselves and listening to each other in a way that they're doing in March. I mean, they're playing so tightly and so fast and so precisely, but then yeah. in April, you can see them kind of like, there's a lot less secret language, you know, there it's still there, but I mean, compared to March, it's like dramatic how much less it is. And so you can see them start to be like, okay, maybe we don't have to worry so much about the audience and maybe you're right. I mean, it's going out playing a little bit smaller venues at West where there's less pressure. You know, they felt a lot of freedom out West in Colorado before, and they know that they can kind of like go places out there and you see them taking risks musically that they weren't taking in March, which is so exciting. Yeah. I want to shout, I agree with everything both of you are saying. I love the idea of them like looking inward because to me, where fish tends to excel is when they look inward and when they look at themselves and they, they start focusing on not necessarily all of us out there and, and what's going on out there, but like kind of what are they feeling? And when that then is broadcast out to everyone, that's where a lot of magic happens when they're kind of living in their own heads in the best way possible. I want to shout out this uh, comment that we got from um, uh, vetted Jade which is a great handle. Uh, they'd already established their quote brand back East and had a solid fan base there. They were trying to hard, hard to sell their brand and build their fan base on the West coast. And you can really hear it. You know, it's interesting because on the one hand that like contradicts everything you guys are saying, but on the other hand, it kind of like fits with it perfectly because they're, selling themselves to people who in some cases have no idea who they are. 
And I'm going to read later when we talk about a very specific show from April 92, an amazing show, uh, a fish companion excerpt review from the night. And you get the sense of like, nobody out there really cares or knows them. And so the band kind of doesn't care, but they're also trying to sell themselves to these people for the first time. But that idea that you're talking about, Benji, of like, are they joking on each other? Are they pissed at each other? Are they happy with each other? Are they just sick and tired of being on the road? All these weird things are kind of mixing together to create a sense of humor and a sense of camaraderie, a sense of um, just performance that is going to shape so many of the classic months of fish well, going forward. I think that comment by Jaded Vet or Vetted, let's not reverse that. I think that comment is right in that so they established their brand, but at the same time, I, I feel that. April 92 and into 93 is when they're really fine-tuning their brand. And I feel like mm. they lost sight of certain, like they, they start out in Nectars and they have these certain elements and then they experiment with different elements and uh, there's way, there's waypoints like uh, the 91 yeah. horns tour, for instance, you know, where they bring the giant country horns with them. And when you're doing that, you can't showcase all the other elements uh, of the band. And this, this is a band with so many elements to them that if they didn't, we wouldn't be talking about them right now because they'd be the Foo Fighters and they'd be, you know, too, great as they are, they'd, they'd be much more straightforward. Mm -hmm. But here what we have is a band that has all these different sides and they sometimes indulge the side, the, these various sides more and other times less from, you know, there's been tours where there's been very little type two jamming. There's been tour, and I'm talking about throughout the entire arc of their history. There's been, there's been tours where it's been, the focus has been on, on the song catalog and on and on digging deep in the song catalog, other ones where they're not really rotating this the, the song list and they're just trying to make the songs jam longer. And so in April 92, what you have is you have uh, a band that since they are out west and they do need to sell their brand and introduce their brand, I think that they're whether or not it's intentional or, or whether or not it was like them thinking about it at the time and conscious of it, I think that they're they were bringing all of these elements that they had set a few years to really set up and uh you know the better part of 10 years in terms of really like exploring and when they get when they get to the west coast in 92 they suddenly have figured out how to bring them all into into a show and it's not like the first time they've ever done that there's great shows before before now uh, before yeah. april 92 with all these elements but in april 92 from show to show to show to show you have all of these elements uh, uh, thrown into the mix. You have, an, an, you know, Henrietta, you know, all the time. You have both cold as ice and hold your head up. You know, you have uh, a lot of narration, uh, a lot of narration. And, you know, Megan, I know, you, you know, we, we both agree that, you know, last time we talked about how, how they were doing so much secret language. And in April, they kind of, they kind of dropped that. But one thing I love about it, is that there? There are a few times when Trey gives the the secret language uh, instructions, and uh, one of them is on the on the west coast, I believe, somewhere in the in the, in the north, uh, maybe Oregon. Um, but then they 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 do it again in the Midwest, and mm -hmm. when he does it at the end of the month, and when he does it at the end of the month, when Trey explains it, he transparently says, he says, "Look, you know, this uh, I'm going to give these instructions." We've been, and then he says, I've stopped giving these instructions. I've been giving them, I gave them a lot on the East Coast, and, and all of our fans know it. You might know about this because I did it once. The last, he said, I haven't done this in a while now, but the last one was out West, and we did it, and I only did it once. And a few nights later, we played some Secret Language, 
And like Trey's saying to this in the mic to tell the crowd, he goes, a few, a few days later, we played it and the half the audience knew. And the other half of the audience was flabbergasted going, what's going on? Everybody just fell down or everybody just like yelled dough, you know, whatever it was. And so I think Trey, it, it, it shows you in the, the, the fact that he's talking about that on stage, it shows how mm-hmm. they're becoming more and more aware that even on the West Coast, where they're where they're they are it, it's not their home base and and they're they're just trying to establish themselves even there he's realizing that people are going from show to show that word is traveling and he's also aware that half the audience on the other side of that coin is new and to see these elements of fish that are so uniquely fish is such a cool thing you know to walk into a venue totally. and have half the audience fall down random seemingly randomly is pretty amazing you also talk about like the, you know, when they get back to the Midwest and they suddenly realize like, hey, we're going to, you know, reinform you about this. But many of you probably know what I'm talking about. The interesting thing about this tour, and this is something I love specifically about 92 and 93 spring tours. They both start on the East Coast. They do a full tour of the Northeast. They do a full tour down the East Coast. They go West. Then they loop back end up in Wisconsin, Chicago, Ohio, and then figure their way back to the Northeast where they do another loop of the Northeast. So you get these two bookends if you're a Northeast fan of, all right, cool, Fish is kicking off their tour. Bye, Fish. See you guys in a couple of months. Fish comes back and, oh, my God, this band is on insane tear right now and they're going to do five or six more shows. This month is kind of the crux of that from a geographical standpoint. It begins on April 1st in Lawrence, Kansas, loops out West, returns East, ends up in Madison, Wisconsin. So theoretically, if you're someone in the Midwest, you could have picked up shows on either side of the month. Um, You get the sixth Colorado run the band has ever done. It feels like they're back in familiar territory. When they come to Colorado, they do a big tour of Colorado. Once again, it feels like the first time that they're back in familiar terrain for the first time since the Northeast run. So like for about three or four weeks, it feels like they've been playing to a lot of new crowds and now like, Oh, it's all our friends in Colorado. Again, we're going to talk about it in depth here, but 416 to 421. It's like one of the first huge weeks in fish history. And one thing that really got me, and we've touched on this a little bit, but songs are debuted during the early part of the tour, also secret language. But now they're firmly in the rotation. The band is able to loosen mm-hmm. up. This is evidenced by immediately on April 1st, you get April Fool's jokes. There's a lot of gimmicks. As we get into the the the, the overall month, we're just going to hear this band loosen up and just kind of perform as themselves and whatever's in their heads. Um, the other thing, and we're going to talk about this as well, the last point I'll make about where I see this differing, type 2 jamming. For the mm-hmm. first time since 1988, there was this very conscious decision in the late 1980s, around 1989, to tighten the shows up, to remove jams, really give this variety show, really throw out a ton of energy. 1988 is the first time that we really get the band offering us type two jams. 1992, I should say. It's the first time we really get the band offering us type two jams for the first time in four years. The 4.8 Bowie, the 4.18 Hood, 421 tweezer these were all outstanding outstanding versions of really important songs Mm -hmm. that are going to grow and blossom with the band over time i mean i think even though they have a much more limited set list at this point these shows are still packed with ideas 
there's some really like interesting, fascinating stuff going on, especially by the end of the month. They're really taking risks and listening to each other in a really intent way. And their playing just sounds really urgent in a way that's super exciting. And I think I was listening to these shows and trying to just listen to some highlights of some of the shows and I wouldn't want to stop. I just kept listening to the whole show because it's just really great. And I think that it's, it's amazing that you can have, I mean, I get, it's not really a limited set list, but compared to what we hear now it is, and they're still really interesting. And I think that it's interesting to hear them as they, in the beginning of the month sound really kind of fast and jazzy and energetic. And by the end, they're sounding more psychedelic and not as like just Trey you know, rock God, like shredding. He's still doing that, obviously, but that's not the only sound you're getting from the jams, which is really cool. Yeah, you're right. There is an urgency to their playing that that mm -hmm. uh, that's a great word for it because it's it's 100 yeah. percent there. You can hear it in all of these shows, and th there's you know these prototypical fish shows that they do to this day, where sometimes they'll you know and it, 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 this shows you it's not new. They've been doing these things for for <laughs> where they will take. They have those shows where in, in the middle of a song, they will quote all the other songs that they played that night or, you know, a number of other songs from that night. Uh, and then, of course, they, they do the teases. And like in, in 90, you know, 92, I mean, even the, the Wikipod groove that uh, from uh, from the uh, from Minneapolis, because they're in Minneapolis and they're in Prince's home territory, they play Raspberry Beret. They jam it, you know, uh, and in such a seamless, incredible way. That it doesn't have the the finesse that it would that that type of thing would have in like say ninety eight. It has something else. It has this like this honesty to it, and this you know, yeah. it's like all of a sudden you hear you hear you hear that raspberry beret lick, and you're like, what? And then you realize that they're in Minneapolis, and that's a very fishy thing to do, you know. Totally. Um, mm -hmm. And and a, a lot of the other you know jams earlier on in the month quote from themselves, quote from their own from from the, the set list from that night, which is something that of course Fish does to this day. Uh, to more, you know, to greater or lesser effect, depending on the night, but, uh, mm -hmm. but it's in their, it's in their bag of trips. And, and I think that, you know, and they, they started doing it before April 92, of course, they, that's something that they've always done, but I feel like in, in March and April, they, they do these things that have become prototypical fish, uh, elements and shows. I feel like urgency is a really good word. I also think self-referential, you know, this mm -hmm. idea we've been talking about them being in their own heads, like. And what you're talking about, Benji, like, oh, we're in Minneapolis. We're not going to cover Purple Rain. We're going to play Raspberry Beret within, you know, Weekpog Groove. Give you guys mm -hmm. this, you know, little snippet. We're going to reference moments that happened last set here again, and you're going to hear that. And it's something that, like, is going to be further developed offstage in the Hay Hole jamming. And, um, you know, this idea of Trey plays riff, Mike distorts the riff, Paige distorts that riff, Fishman distorts the rhythm, and now we're in a new jam. And now we go around mm -hmm. in a circle and we do it again. And that will start to be incorporated in their jamming as they come back in uh, Spring 93, most famously in August 1993. But it's really going to start to showcase this band that is growing because their self-referential nature to their overall playing which is great. Um, big question for you guys. Big, 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 big open question. Should I put music on for this question? I think I should probably put music on. You just nailed the music before, Brian. That was just like a really great moment. Let's see if we can find the right music for this here. We're going to try this out, okay? And this is, this is going to be the right music for it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
tell me, Benji, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> what happened during the West Coast run of April 1992? What happened? And in which way do you mean that? What happened? What happened? In what happens Manhattan? in the West Coast run of 1992? What 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 happens? It's something happens. What do you think happens? Is it a specific thing you're looking for? No, I'm just looking for in general. What? Yeah, what okay. There's so much. Got it. Got it. There's so much. So I, I think you know. I think it's kind of what we had mentioned already. They're, they're on the road together. They're 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 bonding and they're playing. And I feel that like. Uh, just the majority of it, the, the the show that I picked out, for instance, which I'll wait to talk about till, till we talk about them, it is kind of, uh, it, it's very indicative of the whole month, uh, of the, what I love about this month. And it's that it has all of these different elements thrown in. Mm-hmm. And previously, uh, they they were separated by time. Uh, you know, like you have the Nectars, you have what you talked about earlier, where you have the type the type one, uh, type two happening at Nectars and then, and then they kind of stop that. And then they do these showcase shows. They do all of that in April '92. In March, they weren't quite there yet. March, like when we when we did this last month, and and I went back and I listened to some of the, those March shows, um, re-listened to them, and some of them listened in some cases listened for the first time. The thing is, is that uh, they're not boring by any chance. There there's some amazing shows, but when you're but when you're but. Uh, there'd be a time after where I'd be like, I remember there's what I, I like was listening to three of the, of the shows in one day. And then I was like, I want to, I want to hear, you know, I want to hear from, from this past summer now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and with April 92, you don't get that at all. It's like you were saying Mm -hmm. that before the the idea of, and I, I, I'm, I had the exact same experience that you had. I want to hear some highlights. And then I see on the set list though, now they're going to do llama. Now they're going to do, you know, even possum. I'm like, yeah, I get skip this. And I, I don't. And so I yeah. listen to it because the playing is just so, and that to me is is what a, a great show is where you don't skip it, uh, you know, you don't, mm-hmm. skip it up, and where even the standards are played with a little bit extra verve and are and are played with just this extra presence. That's what makes a great, you know, not to get sidetracked, but a, but a really good, uh, easily identifiable example about this is everyone talks about festival fish sets, oftentimes missing the mm-hmm. mark because the band, you know, for for whatever reason. But then you had that Bonnaroo set, where if you look at it on on paper, the last time they played Bonnaroo, if you look at it on paper, it looks like a festival fish set. It's you know, it's all totally. the it's all the highlights. But then when you hear it, you know, yeah. I, in the moment, it was like, oh my god, like this is not a typical. Fe- uh, they're playing with intent. They're playing mm-hmm. with a with a passion and a fire. Where where it's not the songs anymore, it's how they're playing. And they weren't even going type two. They weren't doing anything crazy. Mm-hmm. They just were so present and so connected mm-hmm. and so hooked up, and uh, and throwing extra notes in where notes didn't previously exist, and and hitting different corners and emphasis. And I feel that uh, April '92 is is like that. Where the the other thing, Brian, that happened in April '92 that I don't think happened before this is a consistency from night to night. Where yeah, where in March when when you asked me to pick out a, a highlight show, uh, one immediately came to mind. You know, and 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 uh, I would have to scramble to. There's other there's highlights there, but like you know, the campus club comes to mind immediately. With 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 April '92, the month just comes. You know, there's so many, <laughs> and and night to night to night to night, they're just they're firing all cylinders. As as you said earlier, it 
it's considered the first great month of fish. I, I agree with that. I stand by that. I, I do think there's great fish before then, hands down. But we're talking about if we're talking about a ratio or something like that, like a consistency of, of show to greatness. I feel April ninety two is the first great month of fish. I had trouble picking a highlight too. I picked one, and then I would listen to the next night and think, oh, "But that moment was so incredible, and and this moment is so incredible." I, I feel like there's so many moments of these shows that, like you said, the consistency is something that really stands out. Really stands out out of early fish. Definitely. Yeah. And, and that is actually the week that I'm talking about the 416 to 421. I had a hard time picking which night I thought was the best because they're all incredible, incredible shows. I mean, Trey is still kind of soloing like this incredible rock God. I mean, it just, you hear the way he's playing the guitar and you can hear him also trying different things. I don't know enough about music, but you see him trying to do things like repeating runs and loops that, I haven't heard as much and which is something he does so much now and like has all these cool effects and pedals and technology, but you can see him trying to find new musical ideas and and you can see the other band members, like you said, finding new corners too. And I also love how Mike is really turned up in this mix and it really is so good. I just loved how loud Mike is in this mix for the whole month. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but it's hundred percent true. Mike is turned up. Uh, on all these shows, especially that run, you know, oh, you're, so you loud, so much louder. And, uh, and I, I also think, you know, Brian, what, what made Sable 92 kind of pop is that there are there. And Megan, you mentioned this earlier too, with the set list, right? They, they, they don't have as deep a pockets with them as they, as they do now. Like they, it, the catalog is, is a lot smaller. That being said, I feel like they, they, they're able to vary the set list, but it's less to me about the, the, I, I remember, in the '90s, seeking out these tapes and looking at set lists, looking at the the I had it like on a dot matrix printer, printed out from the the original Helping Friendly book file on on fish.net, and and looking at people like Charlie Dirksen's tape list and Dean Button's tape list and trying to figure out like the the I I could do like four tapes in a Blinks and postage or whatever it was, you know, and and I remember like a lot of them. There's there's Mike's grooves, you know, constantly. There's the David Bowie's, there's the Hoods, but I feel like they are comfortable with that material now uh material that they debuted in the in the late 80s and if the 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 newer debuts the songs that they debuted for this run that as as we mentioned earlier they're, they're getting used to and they're, they're really exploring but it's that older stuff it's the it's it's the hood uh jam uh bowie still has a few years we now now that we have the the luxury of hindsight you know bowie at that point it was still was still a rapidly growing spaceship that i feel took off fully in 94 uh you know there's some great 93 bowies some great 92 bowies there's a great 92 bowie from this month more than one there's there's two that come to mind that are great on all of them are good but then by 94 you know bowies became if they played a david bowie that night is probably the highlight of the night you know or quite possibly and, and um and here it's it's almost that it's almost that you know you can hear them pushing it same with hood you can hear them pushing it and the the mites grooves are probably uh, for a lot of these April shows, they're kind of the the the, the jam the jam highlight, uh, except for the ones with the tweezers. You know, <laughs> tweezers back then, uh, you know, uh, were probably kind of I I think had the same function as they do now. It's a tweezer. You know, it's, they're so fun. They're yeah. so fun. Well, 
But it's interesting because this is kind of the time when they realize that because, you know, <laughs> we talked about the debut of Tweezer a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. from 1990. And, and there's a lot of versions from nine, late for, throughout 1990, 91 and early, early 92 that follow a very similar formula. And we're going to hear in this month um, the show that you picked, Benji, a tweezer that goes completely in a different direction from anything that we've anticipated before. And really, in a lot of cases, you know, it's basically that tweezer, which I'll just say 421.92, it's that tweezer and the Marat Jin from 15 yeah. months later mm-hmm. that really like you stake your flag and like this is the start of Fish's modern improvisation. And it's those two jams that are like, they're so essential. And it happens in this month in terms of the band listening to each other, in terms of the, the band feeling each other out and getting a sense of who, who the other persons are, where they're, ha- they're, they're at in their head, where do they want to go creatively? Where can we lock in? Where can we expand on each other? Where can I challenge you and you challenge me? And we can figure out a path forward in some unique way. And where can our voice really kind of like evolve in a sense? Everything you guys said about what happens during this West Coast run is, is absolutely right. And I want to shout out, we always get one fan every episode who's who's got like all this knowledge and all this insight it's about the best. Uh, an episode it's it's about the the context especially these early 90s shows and it's great it's uh vetted jade here today my first fish show was 415 not great but i got it on 416 and kept going for another three shows um I'm oh i'm so here. jealous that's so I amazing <laughs> i'm gonna read sh- uh shortly um about 416 and i'm really curious if if that Jade had the same experience as the person who wrote in the companion. It'd be really fascinating to hear. Um, but that is amazing to know. Like you go to your first f- show four fifteen. It's an okay show. It's not the greatest. It's uh, from Los Angeles. If you know anything about fish, you know that Los Angeles rarely features excellent fish shows. The the pressure just feels so much. But then they go a little bit north to Isla Vista, California, and suddenly, ah, this is it. We got it. it the um, one predictable thing about fish is that yeah. might be. <laughs> yeah, um, have a very LA quality to them always. Oh, totally yeah. do. Um, But yeah, I mean, I was thinking as well, like just a couple of things to add to what you guys were saying, you know, this West Coast run, these things happen. Catapult debuts, provides the band with a unique in-between song, which works as a jam and a segue. Catapult's a song that we love around here at uh, HF Pod. Um, Songs like Iculus, 118 show gap. Manteca, 132 show gap. Return after significant periods in the wilderness, displaying the power of the bust out. You know, the idea of the bust out Mm -hmm. is is here in this run, specifically this April West Coast run. Uh, The Garrett Gamehenge narration expands to a fan base, which aligns well with Fish's vibe, but hasn't yet been initiated. 416 again they're not necessarily explaining secret language they're kind of bringing people into the overall vibe of the show um of of who the band is what what the band is is about what is the mythology of the band at this point in time and you guys said it best flow really is showcased in two of the best shows from this month and i want to shout out now just because Veta Jade is 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 mentioning this in the chat. If you open the latest companion, my photo from 416 is the first thing that you'll see. You guys see that? Wow. Oh yeah. Mike's got a backwards hat on. I like that look for him. Yeah, the it's a great look. 
And you yeah. can just see how tiny of a venue this is. And I'm going to read about it in a little bit. And there's there's some really cool stuff here. Um, question for you guys before we get into our highlights. This is kind of the crux of everything. Fish is evolution. You know, there's no way that Trey is sitting around thinking about how great he sounded in April of 92. That's our job. Fish is all evolution. April 1992 is an incredible month to be celebrated. But to me, I think to the two of you, I, I don't think I'm being presumptuous here in the wrong way. I think I'm assuming in the right way here. April 92 represents growth and evolution mm -hmm. for the band. Megan, how do you hear April 1992 impacting Fish's evolution going forward? I think what I mentioned earlier about them turning inward and really starting to listen to each other and think about where they can take jams and realizing that their tightness and their precision is where it needs to be. Like they, they have kind of mastered that. And now I think they mastered that. And also thinking about the audience they have that they're building their audience. And I think maybe they start to realize that this is the first time that the audience is going to build a little bit organically. Like they're obviously doing things to build this audience, but I think they can see that it's starting to grow. And I really feel like them tapping into this idea of listening more intently and, and focusing on what they're doing together on stage is, you know, that's why the band is who they are today. Benji, what are your thoughts? I, I agree with all that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with all that hundred percent. And I think that, uh, I think that as it plays into their evolution, I, th I think that a lot of their, you know, and we, we talked about this too already, but a lot of their elements that, that make a complete, that, that fill out the, f the fish puzzle uh, are all there. That's, that's, you know, when we talk about, when we start talking about the individual shows, I'll talk about how that is, is uh, in 419, that that's the bullseye, you know, but they, um, they also, this month, uh, by looking backwards to look forwards, they 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 really visit Gamehenge a lot, uh, and yeah. they hadn't done that for for a little while. You know, uh, I feel like they they uh, at least not with the frequency that they did out west. And maybe it was you know it was introducing uh, the West Coast to their to some of these elements that made them unique and establishing. I mean, the West Coast had uh, obviously a, a very you know grateful dead centric. Uh, jam band scene so they uh, the west coast audiences were already uh they didn't need any instruction for how to how to ap approach a two-set show with improvisational music they know that but you show up there in your patchworks and you know uh and, and you're ready for you know for two two sets of psychedelic music you weren't expecting to be transported to game henge <laughs> you know and and uh and they did that a lot and uh and so yeah yeah, it's answer the question, but that's uh, that's, that's a sidebar. <laughs> no, totally. That's a huge part of them, though, right? That's a huge yeah. part of of the band. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, the the biggest thing I come back to are those two things. It's 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 expanding the mythology, and what that will mean is this sense of like we're going to go all in on the story that we've written and who we are as a band, and and we're going to bring you in on this inner circle. The other thing is what you were saying, Megan improvisation seems to be the biggest takeaway to me is this idea of we are going to jam and that is working for us and that is going to continue to work for us. And that is something that we are going to utilize and we are going to showcase and work to grow with going forward. You know, you get these big jams from the overall month, 
but then you also get a lot of urgent playing and energy and humor and inside jokes. And those things will all be there. They'll all come with the band. But what is really going to represent Fish's growth over the next five years? You think about April 92 to December 1997 and what happens in between that five-year sustained peak for the band. Their jamming is going to grow by leaps and bounds. It's going to touch on acid jazz in 1993. It's going to go out into like just the most bizarre, slightly you know, revolutionary era, romanticism, classical music, noise, avant-garde, just expansive 50-minute jams. It's going to get really tight and groove-based, and it's going to end up in minimalistic Brian Eno-laden funk. It's going to be crazy, and all this stuff <laughs> in between. And then it's going to continue to evolve, and it's evolved for the last 30 years, but it all kind of starts here in a lot of cases. The, um, there's go ahead. There's a parallel too uh, that's apparent in in terms of we 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 almost touched upon this and that Nectars for them uh, and Burlington in general uh, when the band was just getting their start was uh, a breeding it, it it kind of it was a safe uh, a, like it was a safe spot, space for them to really just it's it's experiment and not only experiment mm-hmm. there was a necessity to it because at that point they did not have the material and they had, but they had the stage time. <laughs> And so they needed to they needed to fill up this time to people that oftentimes are their friends in the audience that have to <laughs> see them, you know, a few nights a week, every every week. And so there, there's the need for for the for a newness and and uh, on stage shenanigans when they when they get to the West Coast in the ninety two they they had left that safe space for a while because they were they were their audiences were expanding. And it became important to the band to not fall like when you when you do those things, uh, and there's and a lot of the things that they did in April '92. There's a big chance of falling in your face. You know, not everything lands. And you oh have yeah, to, you have to be confident to to be able to go out and to be like, you know what? If we blow, if this doesn't work, it doesn't work. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Like, but but let's try it. But they stopped doing that because the, the tours were getting bigger and the tour and they were fine tuning their professional. Uh, touring operation, and and there's also a bigger pressure to to deliver, you know. Um, and then by April '92, when they get out to the West Coast, on the one hand, they are introducing their brand to the West Coast audiences, and that is important to them. But I think you know, after so much so much time on the road and this looseness and all these elements coming together, you know, from from being comfortable with each other and being relaxed and as much as they're trying to impress audiences and, and you can hear it, that there's that fire that, that, that they have and they're trying to really show their best side. At the same time, there's also the safety that they had back at Nectar's where these audiences don't know us. We'll take them to Game Inch. We'll introduce them to Game Inch. And if they don't want to come with us, well, then, well, then they, they won't come. But, you know, oh, no, look, that's the bottom of the boat. The bottom of the boat is above us. You know, when Trey does that type of stuff in the narration, you don't know how the audience is going to react to that. They could look at you like, what are you talking about? Or they could be along for the journey. And at Nectar's, they took that, they took that leap of faith. And out West, they again took that leap of faith. Yeah, there's the freedom of like, we're not going to be here for another year. But then also like, we'll be back here next year. So if you dig mm-hmm. us, come see us the next night because we're not coming back out West for another year. But if you don't dig us, cool. We won't, we won't see you again. There's like almost nothing to lose. Yeah. And there's only like new fans to gain. And the next, you know, show ends. They did a bunch of crazy stuff. We get in the truck and we keep driving. You know, we get in the van, we keep driving. Um, 
But it's so amazing because yeah. so few bands have the confidence and the trust and the, I don't know, musical integrity or artistic integrity to actually do that because there are external pressures to do something different and to, you know, produce or to change. And I'm sure that it took a lot of, I know it took a lot for them to maintain their originality. And I think that that is one reason why obviously they're still so incredible and so popular and so important musically. But I think that it's definitely seems easy. I think when you look back, but this takes courage on a level that's just incredible. I mean, they had been playing together at this point for nine years. That's a long time to be a young band. And I think it's just amazing to think that they're still like, this is, this is who we are. And a lot of people didn't like it, you know, but the people that right. did kept growing. And I just think that's so incredible and speaks so much about who they are as, as musicians. It's, oh, it's crazy God. to me that, so my first show was New Year's Eve 93. And it's mm. crazy to me, looking back in hindsight, how the band that I saw, the Worcester Centrum, seemed to me, like I, it seemed like I, I remember leaving that night feeling like I had been introduced to a, a world that was a fully, yes. developed, a fully developed universe. You know, I, totally. I, I, you know, I knew the game Hedge Mythology, which I didn't really get into that night, but I, but I knew it, you know, and, and, uh, you know, well, they did get into that night. I, I take that back, but, but they're, they're, <laughs> they, you know, even doing things like split up on a mount and, and songs mm -hmm. like that, they seemed fully real, realized to me. It didn't, when I listen to April 92, I see a band that's on the, on the cusp of that, that's just, you know, about to jump off that cliff. And, totally. And just, you know, just a, a year and a half later for them to be where they were at the Worcester Center and they're playing an arena and they're doing That's it with insane. confidence. And they, they, that night to me did not seem like a band that was just, that, that was, just, you know, like they, I thought that I, I thought I missed out. I thought, oh, this is, <laughs> and at the end of the night when they're like, we've been doing this for 10 years, well, I was like, oh my God, this has been a 10 year secret, you know? And <laughs> totally. Too, though, it, 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 it does seem like they're they're still they're just reaching and it's so it's so incredible the difference between 492 and then 12 uh you know 1293 i was thinking the same thing because on this tour they play the university of arizona in the ballroom in the student union i went to university of arizona so this is 1992 i went there fall of 95 that fall i followed fish up the west coast and they headlined at Shoreline. Like, that's just, mm. you know, that growth in three years is crazy. Um, I mean, yeah. yeah, it's insane. And it's, you know, it's all a result of this kind of trust and this, you know, whatever energy is in the van as they're traveling around and as they have this clear idea of how we want to present ourselves, but still this very loose idea of every night needs to be different and something needs to happen. That's magical in the room. That's going to showcase who we are. If, you know, from our, from a personal standpoint and where we're at. And, and that is what's ultimately going to appeal to fans like us and fans who jumped on board as, as, as they moved through America at this point in time, I think it's time to start recommending some shows. We've talked about the vibe, the feel, the impact so much. We all recommended, we all selected three shows and then we have a handful that we want to recommend to you for a variety of reasons. And we're going to post all these up here so that you have the visual on it. Um, I typically go last with these things, but I'm going to go first because my show comes first in the month. And I think it's important that we show the evolution of the month. 
So mm-hmm. the show that I am going to recommend for you all is a show that's very near and dear to my heart. It's a show that we featured a jam off of this show in a podcast that I used to host that used to exist that maybe with enough love and enough questioning and recommending from listeners out there could come back at some point in the future. That was beyond the pond. I loved that show. It was the first podcast I ever hosted. Um, we talked about this jam, the four, eight 92 David Bowie from Albuquerque, New Mexico. This show has a landlady has a Gula papyrus has a Reba Q Reba in the background. Um, it has an Okipa and a Susie has a man who stepped in yesterday has a great chalk dust torture, but it has this David Bowie that goes 18 minutes, 18 minutes, which was just kind of unheard of at that point in time. It's an incredible jam. It's a jam that gives us wild experimentation, intricate nuanced playing between all four band members and really showcases for the first time what is possible with a song like David Bowie. And this is going to lead to some stunning jamming later in the month of April, but also a song like David Bowie by year's end is going to be a reliable jam vehicle. The version that opens up, or excuse me, by two years end, 1993, the version that opens up 123093, it's not super crazy from a jamming standpoint, but there's so much confidence and they're just able to react to each other on a dime. Like, Someone makes a decision, suddenly we're in a dream on jam. And as you move into 94, this song is going to hold so much power for the band and so much uncertainty. And so for me, what really I take away from April 1992, I think that there are better shows, but this is a show I highly, highly recommend because it has such an incredible moment of discovery and change and evolutionary next steps for the band going forward. Megan, you are up with the next show chronologically. What is your selection for April 92? My pick is the 416, the Anaconda Theater. (laughs) (laughs) This show is amazing. It took place at the University of California, Santa Barbara, Anaconda Theater. Widespread panic opened. I mean, I just love that panic is opening up on some of these shows. It's just like so funny to think of of those two scenes colliding, although I guess they were all that different then. But this used to be a bank and then it was a pool hall or slash like arcade. And there's a pretty cool review on fish.net by someone that was there. And it seems like there was only like 200 people at this show. And the level of intensity in playing this show is just super high. They're just playing again with that urgency. It's really hard to match. I mean, They come out of the gate with this buried alive into this absolutely just rip roaring possum. It's just, it's incredible. The speed and the, like, it's just intense. The split open and melt. I mean, there's like, in my notes, I wrote, holy shit, shredding from Trey. I just think that kind of sums (laughs) it up. He's just, just holy shit. He's shredding. Like, it's just insane. This Forbins is super special. Um, It's like a great great narration and just a super different Iculus. I think it's so different from what we're used to hearing Iculus like. So I really love that first set. And then the mics, Wikipog, the groove is just so good. The Wikipog really gets out there. It's like all four of them are going really hard. It's not just Trey who's soloing. It's like, they're all really, really going. And this is one of those times when you can hear Mike in this Wikipog, just, he sounds amazing. 
And this llama, I just think this llama is really, really fun too. And then there's this little mini acapella suite, which is super great. I love when they do things like that because that's such a risk. These like little mini acapella suites and um, I love it. I think it's a great show. And I think it should be released archivally as well. <laughs> Agree. I want to read really quickly. I'm hoping that um, Vetted Jade is still here, um, whose picture uh, was in the opening uh, pages of the Fish Companion. Third volume, which if you don't have, I'm sorry. I think that this was, I don't think it's printed anymore. This is an amazing collection. And um, <clears throat> it does a really good job of going through every fish show through, I believe, Mexico 2017 are the last shows. And within, there are these little reviews every so often for important shows. This show, I don't know if you can see it, but this is a top 100 show, according to people that put together the Fish Companion. I'm just going to read the first two paragraphs um, because they, they set the scene really nicely to what you talked about here. This is from Adam uh, Jurigan. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Jurigan. Benji, are you familiar with Adam? I don't know. This, this, is a, this is an old head. He was at this show. He was at April 92 Fish shows. How many people do you meet that are at April 92 Fish? Um, on 4-16-92, Fish began a legendary five-night run. Each of these shows is listed among many people's favorites, and I never saw any other Fish shows that came close to this level of playing or intensity. I felt they were out to prove something to sell themselves. I showed up in the middle of the afternoon before the show. Instantly, we were hassled by US, UCSB cops. That's true. Santa Barbara is a very conservative nook of California. It's very strange. Beautiful town. Beautiful, but very, very... Come on. Stay out of our business, guys. We weren't actually doing anything but waiting in the lot before the show. The cop caught a glance of our pipe and needed to threaten us for a while. Soon after the cop walked away, the band showed up at the venue. I spent the afternoon with Trey his dog Marley, and Dave Schools of widespread panic. At the time, it seemed like nothing special. We were just all killing time waiting for the show. This was back in the days when the band actually hung out with folks before and after the show. During this tour, the only one in the band who didn't hang out with random fans was Paige. What's up, Paige? Everyone just wants to play chess and hang out, man. What's going on? I think that was always so, the case, right? I think yeah. that was always the case, yeah. In Europe 96, he hung out with us, but not as much as everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> he just he kept to himself, you know? So showtime rolls around and we walk in. There were no more than 100 people in the venue and there was plenty of space. You could walk to the stage and hang out or drop back 15 feet and have lots of dancing room. Plus, it was a bar and the place had arcade games along the wall. By the time Widespread Panic finished their opening set, I'd say the crowd had grown to about 200 people total. This... Next sentence just sums it all up for me. I remember being stoked that I could leave the venue during set break and get pizza across the street and then come back for the second set. What a what 41692 and you vibes, can leave halfway vibes. through and just go and get a slice of pizza and come back. Come on. I I'm fascinated by this review. Um, if that's you, Vetted Jade, please let us know if it's if you know the person who is there. There are 200 people at this show. It's insane. There's nobody at these shows. Uh, 200 people, that's like the pit. A, a friend of mine, Robert Levy, who uh, used to own a venue called 12 Galaxies, he, he went to a, a bunch of these shows and talks about them to this day with a reverence. You know, the, the yeah. same thing that, that we talk about, you know, our like 97 shows or, or mm -hmm. you know, that, you know. That's it. That's Vetted Jade. It was me. 
Amazing. Oh, amazing. That's the awesome. Slice Thank you for capturing like, that mystery. The slice of pizza just adds just just the perfect little edge to it. I mean, you perfectly you can captured that like, moment. Well, if anyone if anyone listening is jealous, let me just say it's Santa Barbara pizza, which is not New York pizza. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Very true. <laughs> that Jade said that we were at Shoreline together, Benji. Yeah, there you go. Yes. You guys hung out. You guys hung out. That's amazing. amazing. Um, so amazing. we've got 4-8 Albuquerque, 416 Isla Vista. Benji, what is your show that you recommend to everyone? So my show was 421, uh, which is Eureka, California. And uh there's a few things about it before you before I, I wish that I knew more about the venue because it's at Redwood Acres Fairgrounds. I looked it up at one point years ago and it, you know, uh, um, it just seems to me, and the show has this vibe that the first time I heard the show was, I mean, it was so back in the nineties when I got the, when I got the cassette, uh, it's always been my favorite show from this month. Um, but when I first got the cassette, I, I, I listened to it a lot. Um, and I just had this feeling that like, and again, as we talked about earlier, you know, I got into fish new year, new year's Eve, 93. So nine or beginning of 94 is when I'm really going nuts with trying to, track down tapes and, and, and 92, you know, 92 was recent. So at first I was doing 93 shows, but then also 92 shows and the April 92 shows, which everyone had recommended to me. Uh, this one felt to me like, because of the, because it's in the middle of Eureka, California, Humboldt County, uh, it, it, with a lively up yourself and the, uh, uh, the only known lively up yourself it, it sounded to me uh, speculative, spe- you know, pure speculation. Like everybody was stoned. Everyone's high. They're in the middle of they're in the middle of the Emerald Triangle. That's what that area is known for. Back then, yeah. even you know, as much as as much as now, but back then, almost even more. It had this legendary, you know, because uh, all the all the weed grows for the for the pretty much the entire country, you know, were were, were coming from there. Yeah, and, when you couldn't uh, grow weed everywhere, right? Exactly. Right. It, <laughs> yeah. it all came from the Emerald Triangle, and then you know, spot maybe Ithaca, New York, whatever. But, but this was this was the famous spot for it, yeah. and and the bands at a campground there, you know, and and, you know, and so and the whole show had a very stony high feel to it, almost like uh, not the feel, not the not the 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 first time that they went to Amsterdam, which I think was was uh, showed you what you know, I was there. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so that was that. I uh, didn't know those songs were unfinished, but yeah, but so, at the yeah. time. <laughs> but we was yeah, we were we were there. We were feeling those vibes for sure. But yeah, but but I feel like after that, where where they learned how to do a stone show, you know that. Um, and but I feel like this one has that. It has that flow to it. It also has looking back on it now. At the time, it didn't. At the time, uh, because the their catalog what wasn't as you know nearly a, a, what it is today uh it, it it just leaves things open and but back then it has all uh, all the elements that i always hoped for in a show that now we usually get one of them and and you know like we usually get some there's an element where you leave a show and the highlight was this type two jam that they did they just did a 20 minute yeah. these you know or you left the show and they did a uh, narration and and you know and the narration was the highlight of the show because it was so weird and, and unique and, and and fun, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or you know what, whatever it is. And here or, or or if there's a show where where Fishman comes out and uh, and does a vacuum cleaner solo, you know, especially mm-hmm. if you're just being initiated, this show had all of that. Um, 
It has, you know, let's see, it has a, a Forbin's Mockingbird narration, uh, and a, a silly one at that, which not all the ones early on were always silly. Some of them were just more utilitarian, where they were just explaining. Mm -hmm. Here's this, you know, now we're in Game Engine, there's this Coronel Forbin, and, the, and he's going to get the Helping Friendly book. You know, but but this one, you know, Trey, we're at the bottom of the boat, the boat's ab above us. You know, it, it's almost reminiscent reminiscent of the of the one from the New Year's Run '93. A little bit later, you know, uh, it, it's um, it, it's just very cool like that. And then it goes in a tweezer. And as Brian mentioned earlier, it's it's a Type Two tweezer that is unlike anything that ever came before, and it rages. It just that tweezer's crazy. Rages, yeah, it's crazy. And then what do they do? They pull down with Attila, and then they go now Mike's groove. And the Mike's groove is equally. You know, it 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 is a lot of that urgent Trey playing and a lot of a lot of fireworks coming from Trey. There's also a looseness, a, 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 a silliness to it. At that point in the show, you know, the band. I'm I'm trying to look up this guy's name, Harla, Har, Hall of Famer Carl Yatsmowski. Uh, that Yastrzemski. Carl Yastrzemski. Yeah, I can't say yeah, but so uh, so <laughs> so apparently he wrote all these songs because Mike had released them all throughout the entire show as this one, you know. It's written by Carl. And and so there's that. And then this is also something that's so interesting and unique to this show alone. And that's that, you know, the we know that they do the hold your head up uh to introduce Fishman and and cold as ice, uh, sometimes as the alternate. And here they did both of them back to back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they did cold as ice as bookmarks around catapult, which as we mentioned earlier was a was a brand new song. And then they do the hold your head up around what ended up to be lively up yourself and it was the first only and if you listen to it carefully in the very beginning it sounds as if it sounded unplanned you know i don't mm -hmm. think they plan to do it uh because someone in the band laughs when fishman goes into it and it was sort of just like mike was playing you know it it, it was that territory to begin with uh they do it they do such a silly job of it that that trey almost apologizes but rather than <laughs> apologizing for it He's like, I hope you guys didn't think that we were. And then all of a sudden, the band does a whole vocal jam about. I hope you don't think that we were making fun of that. So, you know, like, mm -hmm. whole, <laughs> like they're making fun of themselves and at the same time apologizing for how they just treated Bob Marley. And something else that that I I never picked up on the on the tapes. Uh, and I've heard this show countless times, and I never picked up on it previously until I read the other night about it. This was Mike Gordon played the vacuum cleaner solo. Uh, you know, it, 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 Fishman as well, but Mike did, and it's the only known time that Mike has ever, the only known documented time that Mike has ever done that. That's what I mean. It's a very stony, like all things, you know, it, it's let's be silly. There's zero pressure. And yeah. the fish has zero pressure on them. <laughs> you know, they used to always say that, Trey used to always say that sound checks were his favorite they, mm -hmm. because there's no one, there's, there's nobody to impress. And, mm -hmm. and this night on 421, a night after 420, obviously, but up in the middle of, of the of of the green triangle, uh, there's a looseness to it. You know whether or not whether or not they're high that doesn't matter. You know the, the audience <laughs> and, and and they're keenly aware that the audience is because this mm -hmm. is tailored for that. It's tailored for it. You know it's just it's it's and yet at the same time, it also has that tweezer. It has that wicked pod groove. You know the first set also has a split up and a mount. It has a David Bowie that while not quite like the David Bowies that happen a year later. It's still phenomenal, David. But mm -hmm. at the time, if I had seen that David Bowie at the time, it would have been life changing, you know, because nothing mm -hmm. came be be before that like that. Uh, it has the possum where they threw in, they, they had some secret language that they threw in, 
and they and and some other some teases and stuff like that. Um, and then Cavern it's got was a segue of its ice and I see you. Oh, and yeah, incredible. Yeah, this is a real interesting thing about about how Fish's music and inside jokes get get now get kind of uh, how they how they get distributed at the time. I thought that when they that w when they play way and they they do the whoa in there, I thought that was a one time only thing on this particular night. I was like, oh, they they play way differently than they've ever played it before. And now I've heard multiple times when they've done that. Of course, you know, there's mm -hmm. a whole period in their history where that was part of the song. But 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 at the at the, the time, I was like, wow, they're even they're even doing that from you know. And NICU also has some a little bit of a of an embellishment to it, you know. Yeah, they're like singing. He's like, I love that. It sounds so cool. It's slower too, right? I thought NICU on this tour. I don't know if it's like the whole time, but it's really good. I've always loved that song. I feel like it's underappreciated, but I think that these they're like slower. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's when people finally got it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Only took them that long. Yeah, yeah, sometimes it takes them that long. I, I completely agree with you. And then for the encore, they introduce it. Uh, it's Cavern, but I, I think it's really funny that it was introduced as the prison joke. Because Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and then he changed. Yeah, it's so good. I also think this Forbins is terrifying. Like it's Yeah, yeah. Oh my, I feel like if I was there, I would have been so scared. He's like, evil Wilson. I mean, he just go, leans yeah, in. And I think when I got this tape, I had only heard, the only narration I think I had, I had really heard was the uh, the 123093, mm -hmm. the, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the mm -hmm. that night. So to hear this, it, it, and it's my type of narration. It's it, I think it's all of our types of narration, the type that's not straightforward. Mm -hmm. Where they on on a little journey, and yes. uh, and you know Trey literally transforms that venue into into a boat. So, so the good. The boat, that's the bottom of the, the boat up above us. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this is an there, awesome show. Your mind is altered in any way. You I, I you may have needed you may have needed instructions on that how mm -hmm. to com complete a sentence after walking out of that show. You know, so yeah. it's a monster show. I I think the set list is perfect. So good. And it pops off that week, which is mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, as we said, it's it, it, it's a, a phenomenal, uh, uh, absolutely phenomenal week of fish. It's that show. It's this show and four sixteen. They they're two of the most important shows I think the band has ever played for very mm -hmm. different reasons, but also similar reasons. And the fact that they happen five days apart, and the fact that like if these two shows happen in the context of twenty twenty two fish. People are losing their minds because, you know, when, when this happened, oh, yeah. say like when they played Shoreline last year and they play these two just stunning shows back to back, 831 and 9-1, it's everyone, all that anyone can focus on during that period in time. Now, you know, looking at these 92 shows, they're still in such development and they're just getting on the road and they're driving up north to Oregon and then they're driving, you know, within five days fish will be in like Minneapolis, Minnesota, this West coast run. It's why I asked it just so open ended at the start. Like what happened? Something happens during this week that changes the band forever. And that, that um, Minneapolis show, it's kind of like, they know it. Like they, they, yes. they, feel like they know it. Like they, they, they're, they're now back from the West coast and they're like, Oh yeah, guys, check this out. They have their confidence that night. 
where they just integrated all the stuff that they, you know, I, I think you, we could say that they were learning. The West Coast was mm-hmm. learning. I mean, they're always learning. They still are. But, but they, you know, I, I, they, there were some definite things that they learned on the, in April 92 and they brought that bat, they brought that with them and they've, they've had it with them ever since. But that Minneapolis show, uh, is, is them kind of showcasing it being like, well, guys, you know, check out what, check out what we can do now. Yeah. It's like when a kid is growing and you can't really tell. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, you look a lot taller. Like, you know, and you're like, whoa, like it just, that's what it is. Right. It's this like moment of growth that you can actually like see. And you can kind of hear in the audience because it's, I mean, it, it's uh, that uh, that venue, Prince's venue. I, I guess it's it's often well, it's often known for. But but uh, first half, yeah, first half, uh, right across the street from the arena that they would then you know eventually play. But <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but at First Avenue, you can hear a packed crowd, very being very enthusiastic and and screaming yeah. and yelling and giving that mm-hmm. enthusiasm. They don't really have that on, on the West Coast. You know, it's sort of it's not just the the crowd size, but it's sort of the 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 crowd attitude on, on the West Coast to this day. Albeit shows at the <laughs> Fillmore, and a band will have crushed, and the audience being approving, but they're not going to be like ah. And so they're like, yeah, that was cool. So hey guys, <laughs> you know, you know, it's like it's just like you know, uh, there's there's just less of a of an audience interaction, you know, yeah. that mm-hmm. happens. And and at first, make the the the. Uh, uh, first half, not first big. At first, at first half, the audience is giving that back to the band, and the band is yeah. is is really showing off this energy uh, with all the tricks that they learned uh, during the whole month of April. Yeah, I think about this week as I mean the month at large, but this week, this West Coast week, that how it impacts them. It, it almost reminds me of Telluride '88, where they mm-hmm. take this ridiculous risk to drive out to Colorado play these shows and tell you ride. And it just is like a moment of, Oh man, whatever we're doing, it, it can translate and it works elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And it feels that way even further here. You know, they're, they're a tighter band now than they were four years earlier. They're a band that like really um, understands like, you know, this quick joke leads to this quick joke leads to this quick joke. We can start to expand on everything and it all kind of comes together um, in this week. We have made the point, though, throughout this episode, and I think it's clear to many of the listeners here, that April as a whole is a huge month. And so we wanted to highlight a few additional shows that we recommend from April. I have the list here in front of me. Um, 4192, we mentioned in Lawrence, Kansas. April Fool's uh, jokes, tons of gags. Uh, 4692 in Gunnison, a great, great spot for fish. If you listen to uh, HF Pod Premium, we talked about this show last week. Um, it's got a ton of just wackiness throughout. Really crazy show. Plus, it has a make your own guacamole jam, which is just <laughs> a weird moment. That's uh, very weird. The throughout the show, I think it's in Big Black Furry Creature from Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, do you have the list in front of you? Do you want to pick up where I left off or do you want me to go through I it? don't have it in front of me. I'm sorry, Brian. I can keep it going. It's okay. Keep it's it okay. going. 417, the night after Isla Vista. They go from Isla Vista, Santa Barbara, all the way up to San Francisco. They debut Catapult. There's a really crazy brother that's listed, that's played at that show. Mm-hmm. 418, they're in the Bay. They play a free show. Palo Alto or at Stanford's campus in Palo Alto, California. This has, and we're just going to shout him out again because he's a star guest of the show. Betty Jade, 
418, the 418 hood is still yeah. my favorite I've ever seen. I did an episode of the Attendance Bias podcast to go deep on it. Shout out to Attendance Bias podcast. Great podcast. Brian mm-hmm. is an excellent host over there. Love, love that podcast. Um, yeah, the Linus and Lucy hood. It's one of so the good. prettiest yeah. and just coolest hoods I've ever seen. You, get, you guys, I know, you guys are familiar yeah. with it. Yeah. yeah, it's so sentimental. It's really pretty. It's a Hall of Famer for sure. Yeah. Um, the next show to recommend, we've got three more left here. Four nineteen ninety two from Santa Cruz. Fish shaves his entire body at this show, and they shout out Amy <laughs> Skelton throughout the show. It's really just funny and absurd, and throws you back to like old school fish. And that that uh, venue four, also is a very cool venue. It's it's like uh, you know, oh, it's it's close to the beach, and it has this you know mm. definite surfer vibe, but it also kind of a pizza shop vibe to it because there's a it to the <laughs> that's awesome. it's attached in the front, and the, and the venue itself it's a very small and intimate venue. That's, That's cool. so cool. That Mike's groove is amazing. The peaks are just like out of this world. It's great. And anything that we can do, anything that like where we can feature fish on the North coast of California is a win for me. I, I spent a lot of time there and um, it's just such an amazing part of the country. And to think of fish playing in these tiny, tiny venues, it's just, <laughs> it's the best. Um, 424.92 from Starry Nights in Portland, Oregon. This has a Wizard of Oz infused mockingbird, which is just wild. Mm-hmm. And 43092 to cap off the month in the Madison, Wisconsin. Aquarium West Aquarium Rescue Unit open the show, and Colonel Bruce Hampton comes up on trombone during tweezer. Just awesome. Amazing, amazing month of fish. So, so, so blessed to have talked about this month with you all. I mean, just incredible. Um, and just to add to it, Vetted Jade said, the most intense show I've ever seen, 41992 mm. from Santa Cruz. I bet. It used to be a bowling alley. It fits 750 people. Yeah. Wow. So our recommendations, 4146, 417, 418, 419, 424, and 430, in addition to our 48, 416, and 421 recommendations. What do we gather from this? Listen to April 92. Yeah. Amazing, amazing stuff here. Um, you pretty much do a, a roulette wheel with different dates from April 98. <laughs> and you can't go wrong. <laughs> you're not going to go wrong. You're going to be happy. You can't go yeah. wrong. One last question for you all before we depart. We've done almost 90 minutes on April 92, although we did about 15 minutes on MSG. So, you know, I'm going to take some more time. Here I'll always talk about MSG. Always. Always talk about MSG. Um, I'm going to pose this to the group and I want to have each of you answer. Is April 92 the first great month in fish history? I think so. Everyone's scared, Dan. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You got it. You got I, I think it. so. I mean, I, I think so. And I, I I think that earlier, if you take your if you take your complete month and you're looking at that as as a metric, I think that there there are important months of fish mm-hmm. that came before. Um, and there are important waypoints that fish had achieved and that fish hit upon and important parts of, of fish history. I feel that April 90, as a, as a fish fan that's listening to the band that we love now, I feel that the April 92 is the first truly it's uh, the other thing to, 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 uh, kind of put an exclamation mark on it, or at least to uh, the way that I could frame this is if I'm listening to early fish, 
I don't really go back before April 92 uh, unless it's unless it's for research purposes, unless I want to reference something here. Mm-hmm. Even like the, the Arrowhead Ranch, things like that. There are these shows, it's, uh, Amy's Farm, you know, but I I can't tell you the last time I listened to Amy's Farm, you know, uh, and mm-hmm. it's such a, it, it was such a landmark show for for a, a number of reasons. The first fish festival in, in some ways, but but uh, I don't go back to it for, for casual listening, whereas uh, anything from April 92, I'll put on. And, and, and as the, the show that I recommended is one that I listen to, you know, uh, you know, on some type of rotation, I listen to it more than mm-hmm. once a year, you know, um, and, and there's some other shows from there that week that we're talking about specifically, I definitely listen to. And, uh, and if you were to say, Hey, let's put on a show, from from eighty nine or not not eighty like the thing about those early shows like Ian McLean's Farm they're they're fun in some ways because they're so relaxed and you get to see mm-hmm. what what fish is like playing a keg party you know um, yeah and their personalities <laughs> but uh, but in night like if you would have put on a ninety one show for me like the, the Amy's Farm show is great for for at, at the time when I got into fish in ninety three it was great because it's it was a song showcase so it was good for me to learn kind of the the the, the catalog from that. Uh, cause they played uh, the vast majority of what they had at the time, you know, in the, in mm-hmm. the but I don't get, uh, if you were to say, uh, Brad, if you were to say, Hey, why don't you put on this show from 91, you know, tonight, I would, I would be bored, you know, I would be bored. And whereas April 92, nothing's going to bore me. You know, I'm, uh, it's, enth- it's, uh, I'm going to be as enthusiastic as if I'm listening to one of the recent Mexico shows. Yeah. 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 Mike, I think, what are I think that's, in, that's it. In terms of consistency and growth, it's the best month for sure. And I think that as far as an evolution standpoint, it's definitely where it begins for Modern Fish to me. And I agree. I've We've been listening to a lot of the 90, 1998 Fish, which is so fun and awesome to listen to, important to listen to historically, but it doesn't have the same listening, kind of like easy listening like this does where you're going to be interested the whole time. And as someone who listens to Modern Fish, you know, we're snobs. We have such a high caliber of of fish that you really have to we're spoiled so to listen to these older shows this is kind of the first place you'd start where you'd be interested i think i agree yeah i think this is like as you just said like it's it's where all these bits and pieces of fish that's been growing for the last decade kind of coalesces in into one unified package and they realize like a show can have humor it can have dramatic moments that really hit you on an emotional level. It can have stunning, surprising moments. It can have wackiness. We can really test and challenge this audience. And that had all been building, you know, and you hear it in 90 and 91. You hear it in 89. You hear in 87, 88, the like, you know, the the initial ideas of what fish is going to sound like for a jamming standpoint. Um, but April 92, it's, it's for me, April 92, August 93, June, July, 94, November, 94, June, December, 95. Like those are the building blocks that they take elements of themselves from the past. They add to it. They add new ideas. And by the time you reach December, 
1995, you've reached a point of, okay, we need to tear this down and rebuild. But everything was building towards that. And April 92 is the first month where all those ideas kind of came together. And I've got to imagine, you know, in the moment, they probably didn't recognize this because the band had no idea they were ever going to play MSG, let alone Big Cypress, let alone, you know, break up and come back together and have all these crazy moments and play it 13 nights of uninterrupted repeats at MSG. Uh, Undermine season three, Baker's Dozen. Yeah, 27th. There you go. Do you like that plug? Um, none of that stuff is known in the future, but at the moment they had to feel this high of like, this is way mm-hmm. better than we ever thought it was going to be. Like we're, we're a really good band. Like I'm a really good t- guitarist. We're writing really good songs, but like nothing's ever felt like this. And to mm-hmm. go back home, which we will talk about in our next episode when we all come together in May, not our next, next episode, but our next, 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 next episode, whatever it may be. Some point in May, we're all going to come together, the three of us, and talk May 1992 to cap off this spring tour and really see what happened when the band took the ideas of April 92 and applied them as they're coming back home for the um, May 1992 shows. Until then, Benji, do you have anything else you want to say about April 1992? Well, I picture them, I mean, speculative, you know, this is a pure speculation, but it, it kind of feels like, you know, if that was me and their shoes, it, that's like where you, you, you tell your, your parents and your friends, you say, no, I'm really, you know, this band's really going to do something. We're going to be special. Yeah. We're going to be different than any other band. We're going to, to make history. And I feel that, it, you know, they can come home from April 92 going, we did it. You know, like, you know, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, listen to this. We did it. We did it. We did it. <laughs> you know, they, they kind of, they, they arrived, you know, they arrived yeah. at the first, mm-hmm. at their first of many, many destinations. Well, it's interesting because if you think about the next couple of years, their counterparts are all going to put out big albums and big singles mm-hmm. and have radio airplay and nobody can predict the future. I mean, Fish is going to try this with Hoist, but it's almost like they realize in this April 92 run that what, what we did it, what we made it means is whatever we did that night in front of that audience. And then that's spreading. And that's, yeah. that's where their success is going to come from. And it almost feels like it may not have realized at the time, but that 416 to 421 run is really going to showcase like, this is what makes fish fish. hundred percent. Totally. Benji. It is always awesome to hang out with you. It is always awesome to talk 92 right, fish likewise. with you. Um, this was so fun. We, thank you so much, Benji. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. This is so much fun for me. <laughs> so I love it, man. I love it. We will do this again in May. Um, so everyone awesome. Well, I don't I don't know the exact date, but we'll be back in May to do this again. And Benji, you and I will be on the phone a lot lately uh, over the next couple of weeks as we as we put together Undermine season three. Season so three. oh my god, so I'm so excited. Yeah. All right, man. We'll talk with you here soon. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Benji. I'll Thanks, see you at MSG. Yes, I'll see you at MSG. Get in touch. Okay, will do. Yeah, awesome. All right. That was an awesome episode. Awesome deep dive. Meg, always such a joy. Um, we did two plus hours of fish conversations today. This was great. <laughs> yeah, the, other, the other half people are going are gonna to hear uh, later this week. Um, our next episode is on Monday. Mm-hmm. April 18th at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. We are going to be welcoming Jake Sherman of Punchbowl News onto the show. We are going to be talking about MSG Fish, but we're going to be focusing specifically on December 28th, 
2011, the first night of the 2011 New Year's run. Um, I have opinions about the 2011 New Year's run, but I also have opinions about 122811. 12-28-11, I think, is a deeply, deeply underrated show, and I cannot wait to dive into it. I can't wait to re-listen to it and, and mm-hmm. uh, revisit it and talk about it with Jake. Should be a fun, fun episode. Yeah, that's fun and just so different from what we've been listening to these last few weeks. It's a jump forward. Mm-hmm. Huge jump forward. So we'll see you all here Monday, April 18th at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. For then, though, Meg, can you tell us one more time about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD? I'd love to. Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm. They're located just outside Burlington, Vermont. For years, Sunset Lake was a dairy farm. They produced milk for Ben and Jerry's ice cream. But in 2019, they diversified and started growing hemp for CBD. And they're an amazing company because they really embrace Vermont's tradition for land stewardship. They use sustainable, regenerative farming techniques. They build and protect healthy soils. They're 100% pesticide-free. They use minimal tillage, implement cover crops, and crop rotations. They also serve as a research farm for the University of Vermont's agronomists to study hemp and inform best industry practices. And now I know this word, agronomists, and I can say it. So thanks, Sunset Lake. (laughs) I also have become a huge, huge fan. I take their gummies all the time. It's a really nice way to relax at the end of the day, just to kind of like relax turn off, but you can still function. So it's okay if you like forgot to do the dishes or you forgot to have a conversation with someone about something important. It's okay. You're not going to be like totally spaced out. You're just going to be relaxed. I also started using their salve as well, which I really like. I also, Brian, like you, I get a lot of headaches and I have a Mm. lot of shoulder stress. So that's been really helpful. I also get some lower back stuff. So I'm trying to get ready for MSG. So I've been really kind of trying to relax, put some of that on and then put on a heating pad, highly recommend. Really nice combo. Yeah. So I would really recommend that everybody checks them out today. Sunsetlakecbd.com. Use the coupon code HFPOD. You get 20% off your whole entire order, all your products. So it's a pretty good deal. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer owned, Vermont grown. And with that, we close out another episode of HF Pod on tour. Meg, always a pleasure. So much fun to hang. I will see you We'll, we'll talk, we'll hang, we'll be talking about fish, and we will see you all on Monday to talk 12-28-2011 with Jake Sherman. Till then, thanks everyone for hanging. Vetted Jade, please get in touch oh, with the awesome. HF Pod Twitter handle. We'd love to have you on to talk 92 fish and talk any fish in general. I just got to throw this one last comment on before we, before we go. Looking forward to celebrating 30 years with fish next week at MSG. 41992 750 people 420 20, people unbelievable stuff Oh my god I'll see you there yes that's unreal. awesome Unreal unreal thank you everyone for hanging with us we will see you here next week Thanks everyone thanks Brian
Osiris. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaking microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers, think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe for Grind podcast. <laughs> 